Let's run it. It is FT Live. Scotty Braun, Adam Jones, Brock Holt. How we doing? Is that a Cubs? Is that a little Cubs? Jump, I'm jumping on the bandwagon. <laughs> jumping on the bandwagon. You never Go. played for the Cubbies, did nope, you? Nope, but David Ross is the manager, and I love him. <laughs> what bandwagon? Chicago Cubs, man. They've scored like 40 runs the last two two nights. Hey, they need to score 40 runs over the week. That's like five wins, not two nights. Hey, you know, get them while they're <laughs> hot. How do you get them? Have get them while they're hot. <laughs> get them while you're no, exactly They're right. still not in a playoff spot, though. So you're just saying because they've had a nice couple weeks, you're riding the bandwagon of what the Cubs are selling? I don't even know what they've done the last couple weeks. I just know what they've done the last couple nights. Put on your Cubs gear. Dang, Brock, you loved yourself in your basement, I see. Yeah, baby, this is the Brock Holt corner right here. I love it. I love it. it. Well, today we're going to talk to Ken Rosenthal in about 15 minutes about the trade deadline aftermath. And then Taylor McGregor, who covers the Chicago Cubs. So, Brock Holt, that's your segment. And then Kurt Hogue is going to talk to us about the Milwaukee Brewers and what they did at the trade deadline, which is more than most teams did at the trade deadline. So, um, also, just want to shout out, we've hit 13,000 subscribers. We had our biggest show by far on trade deadline day. We're only several months old, so this is a, a very fine start to foul territory. And uh, props to all the writers and insiders. Just wanted to shout them out during trade deadline coverage because, as I learned once again from Fair Territory, Ken's show, he did not sleep. He didn't even sleep the night after the trade deadline ended, right? So the trade deadline finished at like 6, and he said he was still so excited he couldn't sleep. So hopefully Ken got some rest last night so that he's awake for our show. Let's charge the damn mound and we will begin with the Miami Marlins, who I'd really like to clap it up for, Brock, because we went over a lot of trade talk the last few days. The Marlins did stuff. They did things. They picked up offense. They picked up relief pitching. It's working for them. And you saw in a game against the Phillies where they were down 5 nothing. And then they were down late in the ninth. And so Lair hits a homer and puts him back in the game. Josh Bell and Jake Berger, new additions, reach base a combined nine times. That is called trade deadline winning. Yeah, I mean, you see, you've, you've seen it, I guess, now with a, with a couple different guys, right? Candelario for the Cubs getting four hits the last two nights. But, but yeah, I mean, as, as, a, as a player in the Morgan's, uh, Marlins organization on that team, like, you've got to feel good about, you know, the front office making some moves, bringing in some guys to to help down the stretch. I mean, they're in it, and um, last night was a huge win for them. Down five with with Zach Wheeler on the bump um, to to come back and 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 win that game in in, in extras was uh, was huge for them. And um, yeah, I mean, like like I said, as a, as a player, you you love to see um, additions, you know, uh, come in at the trade deadline deadline to help you out. So um, I'm sure they're feeling good about about where they're at and where they're headed. Also, the Phillies grabbed a two-run lead in the 10th, and then they grabbed a one-run lead in the 11th. They couldn't hold either of those, and then the Marlins walk them off in the 12th. But, Jonesy, I know you mentioned, you were like, hey, I only got to experience, you know, some trade deadline adding, and you never had that, like, big dog, you know, bust through the door like a Scherzer or a Verlander. That's not what the Marlins had here. But when you add Jake Berger and the power that he's going to bring to the table, Josh Bell, who I think is going to finish strong, and you know, Josh Bell – is a streaky ball player, but when he's got his swing going, he's one of the better hitters in the league. Like he's had times that, what was that, two years ago where he looked like he was an MVP if he kept things going. So that plus David Robertson in the back end, this really helps. And Kim Ang, the GM of the Marlins, said, hey, 
we don't get to be in a position like this often. I'm paraphrasing. We have ownership that said, let's spend some money. Let's get rid of some prospect assets. Let's go for it. 100%. And they're going for it differently, obviously, because it's the Marlins. You know, Robertson, great. Uh, he's older. Um, you know, obviously, you can go get a younger starter if you have – you can go get a hater if you have more money, more resources. There's always – again, there's levels to to trades. But, no, what the Marlins are doing down there is fun, man. They're energizing that ballpark. I, I guess they're still feeding off the energy of the WBC that's been there. And they're just having fun. I watched the ninth inning last night, and I seen uh, I seen Bale and Jazz go back to back on pitches, and I'm like, okay, they're down five two now. Okay, I got to go do some other things. And then I uh, woke up and started watching uh, the highlights. I'm like, oh, what? They they lost that game. They when the Marlins came back and won. So they're energized. You know, I think the moves are great. Josh Bale, like you said, if he gets hot, ooh, those two months before the trade deadline, I mean, he was in fuego and. He can carry a ball club, and they're fun, and they have flexibility. A lot of guys that uh, are really good players and are good spots, and they got really, really good starting pitching. And I've I seen they just send, uh, send Cabrera down. That's a, a, a ace waiting in the wings in the minor league. So they got some good arms, too. Let's not forget how good their pitching is. Yeah, and if you look at the wild card standings right now, the Marlins and the Brewers are tied for a spot because the Reds currently have the NL Central back. So at San Francisco, although they did absolutely nothing at the trade deadline, I think that's going to hurt them. Then you have Philadelphia, who I think is going to take off. And then it's Miami and Milwaukee tied right now. Arizona's one game out. Brock's Cubs are two and a half games away. And don't sleep on the Padres four games out. I know you're watching, Jonesy. They uh, they shellac they're, the Rockies. They're coming. They're coming. Yeah, I think so too. I think so. They're sending. They did small moves, but just sending the message like we're not tearing this all down this year. We're gonna keep I mean, going for it. Sometimes those small moves though are are the big ones, right? Like it's not always the the big dog coming in, the Verlanders coming in. I mean, in in 18, we got Steve Pierce, and he ended up winning World Series MVP for us. So it's not always those big moves. You know, we had JD, we had Mookie leading the charge, but you add a a piece here, a piece there, and those guys fit in. um, They can really help you down the stretch. Oh, Jersey lit up. That's your boy, right? Pierce, he's the man. He's fearless. Fearless. Guy, he is. He wants to hit in any big spot, big moment. We had him playing second base and then left field and then first base. Like he just said, just put me in the lineup and just put something next to my name. I don't care. That's oh, he pitch. came over. He came over that year, bro, and he was on fire. Like I think his second game with us, we're playing the Yankees. He hits three homers, and then he's just barreling everything. And then the World Series, you couldn't get him out, dude. He was hitting game tying homers. He was hitting go ahead bases clearing doubles, like. It was wild, dude. It was awesome. That's my dude. Big hits. He's had some really big hits for us, too, in Baltimore. So, a lot of respect for my guy, Pierce. And, yeah, he's got some immaculate grid love. We'll get to that later. We're going to play later (laughs) on. So, uh, let's move to the Angels getting beat up by the Braves. And it's just a tough one. Hey, a lot of people have been beat up by the Braves this year. But it's tough, Jonesy, when one of the big acquisitions, Lucas Giolito, gives up nine runs in three and two-thirds against that Braves offense. Like, when you trade for a starter like Lucas, there aren't that many games left for him to pitch in, right? How many more starts is he going to make for the Angels the rest of the season? Maybe eight, eight-ish, something like that. So when you have one where he just gets completely beat up, you know, it starts to make you look and say, mm, should we have done this? <laughs> and, and it's great. They need all the starts to be good for him, yeah. too, because he's going into free agency. So these, this is an audition for every other team and putting them in a, in a race. 
Um, but it, it just goes back to it's the it's the Angels, man. I love, I, I, trust me, I love them. I love the grit of them. They could have rebuilt the whole thing. You would have done it, right? Forty-eight hours ago, they could have rebuilt the whole thing, and uh, and and then brought and then brought him back. He's, he's not like he's leaving. It's not like he's going to get up and leave his place in Newport. You know what I mean? But but again, <laughs> well, you're going against the Braves. You're going against the Braves. It doesn't yeah, matter. no, I know. But I'll Braves. give you. Did I ask you this question yesterday, Jonesy? And then I'll ask it to Brock. So if you're Shohei Otani, forget about it. he's going to get paid, right? Forget about the money and everything else for a moment. If you're with the Angels and you just gave up what little prospects you had left. And then I come to you in the off season and they don't end up making the playoffs. And I go, Hey, we'd love to have you. Aren't you looking around being like, uh, is this going to be more of the same? Cause you guys just kind of mortgaged everything to go for it. We didn't make the playoffs. So I know you, it's hard to talk a guy into coming back once you trade him, but they're not going to have a strong case either way, man. The Yankees talk Chapman to coming right back. Yeah. They say, look at Poppy, go win a world series. Come back. We got a whole new reloaded team. Now they still didn't win when he came back, but they convinced him to come back. I mean, I, I think the same thing can happen in that situation because he loves it there. It's comfort there, and who doesn't want to play with Mike Trout and Rendon in Southern California? But at the end of the day, you want to win, and you know the team up the road is the guy perennial winners, like championship, like we were talking with months yesterday championship uh, mode not just uh, let's get to the playoffs fight for a wild card no no that's not how the team up the road is so he wants as he gets as you get older you just want to win brock you got to win a championship i'll envy the hell out of that and that's the ultimate of this whole entire game is to win they could have revamped and and told trout look we're gonna we're gonna trade him and get a bunch of guys but convince them to come back because we're gonna help you too we might go and get a young center fielder and move you to right to get you off of your legs. Let you start to breathe a little bit. Yeah, I mean you have the you. I mean you had the biggest chip in baseball, right? And I mean, it, like like you said with Chapman, I think I think with the Yankees, it was it was easier to to convince him to come back based off of they. I feel like they were a little bit more retooled for the future. I think Judge was young. You know, Sanchez was doing doing big things at the catcher position at the time. They had a lot of young guys that 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 we're going to help that team in the future the angels is tough for me um yeah i mean it, it's hard to speak obviously for otani um you know he may just love it there and and you know the winning isn't isn't the the, the main thing i mean like you said aj everybody everybody wants to win that's the ultimate goal um but you had a chance to to do something pretty pretty special for your organization for your team and 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 like you said have a chance to to bring him back um, after getting players back. So, I mean, it was a tough, tough situation. I, I don't envy um, having to make that decision, but, you know, they stuck with it and they're going to they're gonna ride it to the end. Hey, Brock, I'm going to go right to you because we heard from Jonesy yesterday on this and we'll get some insight from Ken Rosenthal who wrote about it. Eduardo Rodriguez is a former teammate of yours and he was asked about his decision not to go to the Dodgers. We also have his line from his agency to put out a statement, his agent saying, you know, like, that's why we negotiated this. So let me get your take on what you think of what Erod decided to do and not go to the Dodgers. And also what's he like as a dude? Yeah. I mean, I mean, ultimately if it was me making the decision, I, I would probably choose the Los Angeles Dodgers over the Detroit Tigers. You know, that's just me. But like you said, I mean, that's his decision and you know, it's not, 
it's not on any of us to 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 think poorly or or any way about that decision he got it he got it um uh, negotiated into his contract and it was his decision ultimately and and you don't know what what's going on off the field on the field he's obviously comfortable there um and he put he put the dodgers on that list for a reason um eddie's great man he's a great teammate um he goes out and he he, he does his job um and shoot i know the dodgers would have loved to have him um but for some reason he he felt like he wanted to stay stay in detroit with his family and um, you know, I respect him for that decision. I, um, you know, I, I think Dan O'Dowd was blowing him up the other day on, um, on TV about, you know, D D Detroit lets you do this while you were going through your family struggles and this and that, and you should have done, you know, you know, it's like, he got that in his contract for a reason, right? Like it's, it's ultimately his decision and his, his, his only, and, and his choice was to stay in Detroit. And, um, you know, I respect that. And, uh, you know, as a, as a teammate of his in Detroit, you got to respect it as well. Obviously I'm sure the Dodgers are like, man, we would have loved to have, have Erod, but, um, great pitcher, you know, I, I hope nothing for the best, but the best for him. Um, and I'm rooting for him and I, you know, I, you know, I don't know what, what's to come in the future. He's got an opt out. I don't know what he plans on doing, but, um, you know, if he's as comfortable as he says, he might be staying in Detroit. Yeah, he might not use the opt out. And also last year when he was going through what he was going through, they didn't they weren't paying him. He was on the restricted list. So it's yeah. like, yeah, they let him sure. I mean, he's allowed to leave and then just not get paid. That's what was going on. Mookie and JD texted their old teammate, Erod, this week to see if he was going to waive the clause. Neither of them got response before that deadline, which was answer enough. That coming from Fabian Ardia from the Athletic. And then let's also bring in what his agent said. Uh, Gene Matto said, Matto, Mato, I don't know. Uh, tomato, tomato. I negotiated a no-trade clause in his contract for a reason. With all of the money, glamour, and fame that comes with being a professional athlete, there's also a very difficult personal side. Many players' wives and their children suffer a lot of instability in their lives, especially when their spouses got traded. Do not take that lightly. Eduardo is one of the best left-handed starting pitchers in baseball, but he's also a human being who wants stability for his family. They're comfortable living in the Detroit area and have adjusted well. As for the Dodgers in particular, once I was granted permission to speak with them regarding the trade, we did our best to come up with a way to make it happen where everyone was comfortable with the outcome. Unfortunately, we just ran out of time. So my, we'll yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, my thing is is like why why didn't the Tigers? Yeah, you know, I I don't know. I've never been in this situation. AJ, you you hit 10 and five. So you, you had that, right. Um, if I'm, if I'm the Tigers, I'm going to Erod and being straight up like here, here's the deal. Here's what we want. Here's what we're doing. Um, will you, will you do this? Um, I, I don't feel like it has to get to the point where we made a trade and now we have to call and ask for your permission. Like, I, th I feel like that should have been done handled before, um, before it got down to the final stages. But, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm curious, AJ, as to like, I mean, I'm sure there are teams that you would have preferred not to go to from Baltimore. You were comfortable there with your family. And, um, you know, that's just something you earn as a player. And, and you know, he chose to, to stay put, which, which I completely respect. I had a yeah. choice, but uh, the, it was to Philly. And at the time, I think they were going for it. But, oh, man, me, trust me, me and Victorino were texting back and forth like, hey, I'm like, what is the real deal of it? He's like, you might, you, the plan is a platoon and right. I'm like, platoon? I'm going to free agency. I ain't a platoon. What are you talking about? And I'm like, so I'm like, it didn't fit me. I was able to get more at bats. It didn't fit me. I was fortunate enough to have a 
Uh, some guys, you know, like Longo, Longo got traded right before his 10-5 in, uh, in Tampa. You don't think he wanted to stay in Tampa, comfortable, started there, taxes, and then go and get mm-hmm. shipped over to, to <laughs> California, 13.3, baby. <laughs> How we doing? Back on foul territory, Braun, Brockstar, Adam Jones, Taylor McGregor from Marquee, covering Cubs, in-game, pre, post, the whole deal. Taylor, great to see you. And... How you doing? Um, do you like Brock's shirt? Because he never played for the Cubs, but he said he's on the two-day bandwagon. I, try, I tried playing. I tried playing when I was a free agent. I texted David Ross. I said, hey, let me go. Let me come over. He's like, I, I would love it, but it didn't work. Yeah, we would have loved so, to have had, had you. You know, I, I've, I saw a sign last night, and it said, bandwagon watch. <laughs> because yep. at this time last year for the Cubs, it was hug watch. Um, because, you know, so many guys got traded in the year before that as well. So I thought that was pretty fitting. Bandwagon watch, but hey, I'm all about the bandwagon. We want everybody on board right now. It's a it's a fun time to be a Cub fan. So tell us about the last two days and really following the trade deadline. Did you sense the team was excited that they decided not just to um, skip about selling, which was a talk at some point, but to actually add a guy like Candelario to help the offense. Yeah, I, I think it was interesting with this team dating back to June after they came off a you know, pretty tough May and, and started playing not well in June either. But there was this belief in the clubhouse of we're so much better than our record indicates. And I would have said that into really early July as well before the All-Star break. And at that time, it seemed like the Cubs were most likely going to be sellers yet again at the deadline. But there was a fear of guys in the clubhouse like we still haven't had enough time to really click and we really do feel like we're better. Um, and then we, you know, we saw what happened after the All-Star break. The Cubs just clicked and went on this roll. And and I can tell you that the vibe inside the clubhouse and what they perpetuated to the media shifted quickly. Uh, and, and it was finally like, okay, this is a team we've believed we've had all season. Things are coming together and now we're proving it to the front office. This is a team that can win the NL central. And so I think after the second game against the White Sox, when the Cubs were trailing by seven, scored eight unanswered runs. That was when I stepped into the clubhouse post game and I was like, okay, this is different. And I think there's a real belief now that they believe the guys in the front office kind of understand what they're doing and that uh, they would in fact be at least holders. I said holders, but, you know, eventual buyers and, and to get candy off of the market, arguably the best bat out there was pretty big time. Taylor, nice to meet you. Um, I want to talk about my guy Stroman. I was reading about his hip injury. Uh, I was slowed down by hips. They still hurt to this day. It's never something I'll ever want to hear with anybody, especially, you know, uh, just anybody, especially athletes. What more can you tell us about uh, Stroman and, and how long it's actually going to be? Because hips can prolong themselves. Yeah, so he said he's dealt with this at other points in his career. And so with that background and knowledge, he feels like he can come off of the IL at the end of the 15 days. We'll see. But he seems pretty confident that even if 
or even with this injury, he might have only had to have missed one start, but going on the IL also allows for time to get right mechanically because as a pitcher for him, he, he just said he's basically had to eliminate his lower half dealing with this hip injury. So he's gotten all out of whack mechanically. So he wants to heal up and then get right mechanically and try to be the guy who he was in the first half of the season. And the Cubs need him to be that if they're going to compete down the stretch. Hey, Taylor, what do you think of Stroman now in the offseason potentially staying with Chicago? So, you know, I know he hasn't pitched well lately. Now you're dealing with an injury and he said he wants to stay. So do you think that the chances have increased? He also didn't get traded. So you stay with a ball club. Do the chances increase that either A, he decides to just not opt out or B, maybe the Cubs try and tack something on to convince him to stay, maybe give him an extra year, something like that. It seems like there's a good fit there. Yeah, I've really enjoyed Marcus Stroman in Chicago. He's an interesting guy, a cerebral guy, and he's been a lot of fun to have around. Um, I don't think the chances have increased, although he hasn't had a great month. I do not think the chances have increased that he will not opt out. I still believe he'll opt out. I think he's pretty set on the, the money he's looking for, the years he's looking for. Uh, that could potentially change if the next two months are disastrous for him. Um, but I think right now the plan is for him to opt out and, and again, try to get the the money in years he wants. I don't know if the Cubs will offer him that. Um, I know they have some younger arms they believe might you know be able to impact the major league club. We'll see. But um, he's enjoyed it there or here, I should say. And uh, it's been a good fit for sure. Yeah, Taylor, speaking of enjoying it there, we've got Cody Bellinger who, you know, if not for Ronald Acuna, may, may be in the, the MVP conversation. So my question to you is when's the Bellinger extension? Are we are we talking about something? I mean, obviously he loves it there and the, the, the fans love him, um, and I'm sure they would love to have him. But um, what are your thoughts on Bellinger and, and his season so far? Well, Brock, I would have wanted a Bellinger extension about two weeks after spending time with him in spring training because the guy for being a superstar is about as relaxed, approachable, just an amazing guy to be, your, you know, your star in your clubhouse. And, and as somebody who's a member of the media, and I have to ask a lot from Cody day in and day out. He's just been so fun to deal with. Um, he And he's an incredible baseball player. He's impacted this team. You know, everybody's pointing to the offense and certainly what he's doing offensively. There's reasons that people are paying attention, but I think he's allowed the Cubs offense to flourish the last six weeks since he got back off of uh, the injured list because of his defensive versatility. It's allowed Mike Talkman to get at bats in center field because Cody can slide to first base and, and allowed for those platoons to again, put the best lineup out there, um, the best lineup offensively. And so he's just been such a joy. He, he's a superstar. It's been amazing to see him kind of return to form and, I, I mean, I could again, I could go off on his offensive numbers, but I think what stands out to me and what's really impressed me is the numbers against lefties better than at any other point in his career, even the MVP season. And with two strikes, you know, in Major League Baseball, two strikes this year, you're a dead duck. And Cody just seems to, to flourish in those situations. Um, he's just consistent. He's been a ton of fun. And I would uh, I would say that almost every guy in that clubhouse would, would say, you know, bring the Brinks trucks. We'll we'll leave him in his front lawn and everybody's in on hopefully a, a long-term relationship between Cubs and Cody Bellinger. Can we hear the vocals? You're, you're singing. A <laughs> can we, can we get the vocals out? 
I mean, did you listen? Did you listen to, to the video? Because the vocals weren't exactly there, but... Uh, yeah, there it is. They were there, and you had a duo going. We had a duo, thank goodness. You, I mean, I, I let you listen to enough there. The vocals aren't exactly there, but as long as you don't mess up the words, um, take me out with the crowd, Cracker Jack, you know, it, that, that's what's really important. But did you did you look, Taylor, at the words before just to be like, I know this basically by heart for a long time, but I just want to double know this and see the words. Like, are you a visual person? I'm a very visual person and, you know, I think in TV saying things over and over again helps, but, you know, I'm notorious for singing songs with the melody and not really their words um, in any song and period. Like there's so many songs I'll say words and they're like, you know, that's not actually the word, but I, I'm on the melody. <laughs> so I'm halfway there. Um, so I had to, yes, I had to Google the actual lyrics. I had multiple people come up to me and make sure that I had, you know, some of the, the words that a lot of people get wrong, correct. So it was a lot of fun though. I, I would do it 10 out of 10, it? I would recommend and I would do it again. How bucket list is it though? Like that's so bucket list. For we, so we, went to, uh, we went to Chicago um, earlier, uh, took Griff. My, my oldest played for the Cubs. We went to Chicago and I texted, texted Rossi. I said, all I want to do, tickets in the suite, throw out the first pitch, Sing the seventh inning stretch. That's it. I'll take. I'll take yeah. care of the rest. Yeah. I didn't get to. I didn't. It's I didn't get to do any of them. Asks, you know. Yeah. No. It was. It was. It was fun. But it was also funny because a lot of these seventh inning stretch songs, you know, they're on the internet and some have gone really poorly and they're played over and over again. And so I was getting a little bit nervous for it. And you know, the advice that people would give me—not really advice, but just the sentiment people would share is hey if it goes really poorly it's going to live on the internet forever so you know no pressure <laughs> it's a win-win right it, it either goes smoothly or you know you see it forever and you get a little egg yeah. and publicity is good publicity so why not well you nailed it you and elise were great so awesome to have you on here for the first time tyler appreciate the time good to see you and thanks for coming by yeah thanks for having me guys this is a lot of fun you guys are doing yeah. a great job it's been fun to follow Thank you so much. Thank you, Taylor. Tell Rossi, tell Rossi I love him. I'm going to tell Rossi that he needs to do a better job for his boy, you know, getting you <laughs> exactly. in the boot to exactly. stick a stretch, getting you into a suite and uh, throwing the first pitch. So Perfect. I'll make sure I love he hears it. it. <laughs> Thanks, Taylor. Talk soon. Bye. Bye. All right, we'll swing back on stadium in just a sec. Yeah, we might have to gather the foul territory roster and sell it to the Cubs for a seventh-inning stretch. Jonesy, Brockstar. They love Perzinski at Wrigley Field, so we'll be good there. Everybody loves Perzinski. <laughs> For that's what he said, I want to go back to more on the Eduardo Rodriguez story. Boom, there it is. Okay, so I feel like there's another development here now once we spoke to Ken and he kind of doubled down on what he wrote about, is that the agent for Eduardo Rodriguez comes out publicly and essentially said in that press release that – He's not going out to L.A. because of like family and personal reasons, all that. Cool. I'm totally on board with that. Ken, we know, stand-up guy, right? He said, you know, the fishiness and the problem, essentially, that Ken has is when he's getting word that they kind of said yes or did say yes, right? The Tigers had the uh, – 
they had the understanding that Eduardo Rodriguez would have approved a trade. And then they start to have the financial conversations. Hey, if he, this is, this is a pretty strong ask right here, actually, Brockstar from the agent. Hey, if he gets traded here, he can still opt out. If he doesn't opt out, then I want another year in 20 mil and then he'll accept the trade. Now, that's very different from a family situation because financially, I think he's doing okay. Yeah, obviously, I should have probably read Ken's article. I mean, I, there's, there's always going to be more to the story than what we know. Um, you know, but just, just from playing with Eddie and, and knowing him and, you know, I, I'm always going to be team player um, just because I was a player and I, and I know the kind of the behind the scenes of the whole situation. But the only thing is we talked about in the first hours that there was a tweet out there where he's Mookie and, and JD both texted him. And, and I mean, the only thing I would have done differently probably if I was Eddie is texted my former teammates back. Um, that's a pet peeve of mine, you know, reaching out and, and, and not hearing anything from the other side. But, um, but, but like I said, Ken, Ken, you know, has some good points. I mean, obviously there's, there's more, there's, there's more to the story than we're probably going to know and, and all that. But, um, that's why you get those things in your contract and, and Eddie exercised his right to, to veto it. And, you know, he's a Detroit tiger for the time being. Yeah, so let's show what Eddie said. So, And I want to clarify here too, Brock. I don't have a problem with all of that. Like, I don't have a problem with Eddie, and here's his quote on to the Tigers. Quote, I love the guys here, and I feel like they love me too. I know we have a really good team, and we have a really good future over here with the young guys. I want to be part of it, and that's why I decided to stay here too. So, Jonesy, I'm okay with a player going to the teams and saying, I have my no trade. Screw you. Give me more money. What, I, what I'm not okay with, is the agent coming out and saying, oh, it didn't happen for fam. Just come out and tell it like it is. Hey, we were trying to negotiate something. It didn't work out. Don't say, you know, like when, when it's getting reported now that you were asking for more money, don't blame the fam on that case. Because that's like, you're kind of throwing your fam under the bus a little bit there. Or just like your personal reasons. Just say like, hey, I have this right and it didn't work out. Okay, I'd respect that. I'd be like, good for you. You negotiated that. They didn't pay you. Dodgers have plenty of money. They should have done it if they really wanted him. Then I would have blamed the Dodgers. He could have worded it as the situation didn't work out best for me. You know, like yep. it just, it just could have worded it. It's, it's how you word it. I got lawyers in the family. It's they always say everything is how you word it. And, you know, the beginning of it started as, okay, it's personal, which we all respect. There's never any argument. He worked that news contract. Then it's now it's turning into, he tried to get, they tried to work out an extension. If the extension comes in add another year and 20 on it, and that's also fine. Oh, that's totally fine. A lot of guys actually do do that. They get extension, they, especially bigger guys, bigger name guys, ask for extensions upon a trade. That happens a lot. It's just conflicting of what do you really want? Um, did, if you got the extension, would you go? So is it about your family? Since you didn't get the extension, you're saying, now you're saying you love the guys. We always love every single person that we come across in the clubhouse. We go and die for these guys. We give our bodies for them. But when it comes to winning, everybody in that clubhouse is going to try to win. That's just, just how it works. So which one is it? I don't know. You can, you can always say the personal. We, again, we respect that. But if you're saying I want an extension and it didn't work out, then just say, you know, we tried to get an extension on, on top of it and the Dodgers didn't have an appetite for it. Yeah. Well said. I agree. Like, wouldn't you say to your agent if you put that out there, like, oh, I would talk. Like, that's the thing. Yeah. I would talk. He speak English. Sheesh. 
Yeah. He speaks English. Talk. Yeah, he like, speaks English. You're, yeah. You're a grown man. Like at this point, you're not. You talk through your agent and go through your agent before you get to arbitration. Oh, my agent said I can't do this engagement. I can't go here. I'm a grown ass man with family and kids. Okay. What's up? You text, like you said, Brock, you text me, I text you back. What's going on? How are we doing? Like we're grown ups. We're at that, at that stage, we are, we're past the, the, we, we, again, we spend more time with each other in our own families, respond to the text message first and foremost, and just come out and just say it. Like it didn't work out. You didn't want to leave. Like just in this era, there's too many uh, variables of, of, of things. People are going to write an article about anything, about anything and say anything. You come out and say it and get ahead of it so you can just squash it. Because now everywhere he goes, people are going to ask me, well, what's going on with you, bro? You want to go to L.A.? Why? Oh, you want more money. Oh, okay. It's all a lot. Now it's just a, a, a lot of different variables rather than him jumping out in front of it and saying it didn't work out. Yeah, well said. All right, so let's do a little more on that's what he said from Steve Cohen. We got a little uh, Steve Cohen soundbite for you, owner of the Mets, to continue this combo also from what we asked Ken, because I still feel like they're not totally on the same page. I know Ken, Ken said it was just kind of worded in two ways. I'll explain how I feel and what I think went down, but... Let's run what Steve Cohen, owner of the Mets, said about the direction of the franchise. He was in Kansas City. Mets are there right now to explain to everyone what went down. Well, we were like 15% and other teams were getting better. And so you have to take the odds down from that. And so, you know, if you're going to have a 12% chance of winning, get and winning, just getting into the playoffs, those are pretty crummy odds. You know, I, I wouldn't want to be betting uh, – any money on that and I don't think anybody else would either okay and I said before hope's not a strategy and so now saying that we we didn't have any idea what was possible at the deadline and we weren't going to just do deals for the sake of doing deals and um, but you know we thought you know we, we got a great return for you know what you know the, the people that we ended up trading and and uh, we weren't sure that was going to happen i mean i would you know i would have i would have kept the players if if it turned out it was going to be a you know mediocre return so um you know that was the opportunity it turned out that um it's a moment in time where other clubs are, are thinking very short term and i was thinking more intermediate long term okay I have this conspiracy theory that the Mets wanted to trade Max and JV and press a little mini reset button because they're not tearing it all down, which I hate. They're just going to not necessarily buy the whole world in free agency, but I actually think they will win more games next year. I think they have mostly the same team minus those two starters. I think they will fill those two starters with two others. And they have a lot of prospects now coming up from the trade they just made. I do believe it was a little reload. And I think that they told Max and JV what they needed to hear for them to leave. Brock, do you know what I'm saying? Where it's like, Max is like, are you going to go all out in free agency? Well, all out in free agency for the Mets is having a $500 million payroll and buying Verlander and Scherzer. So to me, if I'm Steve Cohen, and then I get a call from Max in the offseason saying, hey, dude, you said you guys weren't going to go all out and you just got Julio Arias and Aaron Nola to replace us. If I'm Cohen, I go, yeah, we're not going all out. We didn't get Shohei Otani. Yeah. But 
but they want to trade those guys because they could get good value for them right now. And he bought very legitimate prospects that I think are going to help the team next year. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I, I think they kind of told them what they needed to hear to say, okay, I'm not staying here just in case they're in rebuild mode. But you think the, you think the richest owner in, in sports is going to just be like, yeah, let's tank for another year. No freaking way. Yeah. I mean, I don't know anything about Steve Cohen other than he's got lots of money. Um, and from everything that I've seen and listened to his, him talk and since the time he became owner, it's like he, he wants to win there. And you've got to believe with the, with the um, resources that he has, he's going to do everything that he can to do that. Um, but for me, it's like, I mean, I, I understand trading one of them, getting rid of, you know, maybe trading Scherzer to the Rangers and keeping, on, keeping Verlander for, for next year. If you're, if you're really trying to – I mean, obviously you got two, two more prospects and they're re reloading and retooling. But, um, you know, I, for me, i got to believe that, like you said, Scott, that they're, they're going to try and win and, and they're going to keep spending money. I mean, they're spending more money on players who don't play for them than, you know – how 10 11 teams are spending on on their full rosters so the dude's got money and from an outsider's perspective it seems like he really wants to do whatever he's got to do to to win to put a winning team on the field and and yeah you know, I, I believe that he's going to do that what did you think jonesy like if you had that conversation right so you you said hey I, I heard about the Philly situation when I was playing. I didn't want to platoon. Um, that makes sense. Now, if you're Max and JV, they're going, they're pitching. They're starting regardless, right? They're going to be towards the top of, of any rotation. So they're moving on. That's not the problem for them. They're thinking, hey, I'm late stages of my career. I don't want to be on a team that's not full on trying. So if I'm the Mets, it's a great way to persuade them where if they're saying, hey, guarantee me right now that you're going to spend at the top of the market. If I'm the Mets, I'd just go, no, I can't guarantee you that. So, but at the same time, I, I do think they're going to look at the offseason and be like, wait a second. They did spend a decent amount in the offseason. I like this team in 2024. And I feel like, would you feel like they lied to you or, or you're okay with how this all played out? They both getting their money and going to a, a state with no taxes. Who, like, <laughs> don't care, okay? Yeah. Yeah. They're old. They're, again, they're older guys, and at the end of the day, they want to win again. And like, what's better than them going out on top? Um, they only have a few more years left in their in their arms. The Mets did a great job by getting prospects back, and I like that Urias and Nola situation. That I didn't I didn't think about that because like, like they're gonna spend money. I mean, they got a three hundred million dollar shortstop. They, they're gonna spend money, and he's gonna be vocal about it. You just can't force it. And that's what it seemed like as soon as he got there, he tried to force, like, I'm going to win now. And like, eh, you can't do that in baseball. Uh, it's it's tough. You know, the only time it was it happened was the Yankees late in the late 90s. And now they were the first to do it. And they forced it all. And they won. But now a lot of you have other teams in other markets that can do that. So you just can't force it. But getting good prospects back and going and getting some younger starters, got starters that are, you know, you can go get six, seven-year contracts to that are 28 and they can run out to, you know, to the 35 is great. Those guys are fantastic Hall of Famers. They need to win now. And the innings they need to throw need to be Hall of Fame quality innings uh, going forward and not just trying to get a wild card. No, they, their innings need to be trying to win a World Series. 
I thought Steve was pretty open about Buck Showalter too, your boy Jonesy. He basically said, nah, this one's on the players. I agree. For the most case nowadays, sure, there are managers that are better fits for teams than others. But at the same time, and I, I have this case, I I go on so many Yankee shows, Jonesy, and they just they their number one enemy is like Aaron Boone. And I'm like, why is Aaron Aaron Boone forget putting the roster together? I'm like, he doesn't even make the lineup most of the time. They they give him the freaking lineup. I'm like, why are you blaming Boone? Blame the front office. I feel the same way with Buck, and I'm glad that the owner said, hey, listen, like our players underperformed this year. We didn't put the best team together. I don't think it's on Buck. Sure, you want to point out a few bullpen mistakes that were made, okay, but I don't think this should be Buck as much as, you know, Billy Epler. I mean, it's it's who constructs the team first. Obviously, it's the players. I mean, we you, you deserve to blame. We are trying to grind it out, and we are unsuccessful all the time. It happens. It's a very, very tough game. It's just part of it. But, you know, losing Edwin Diaz, no matter what you say, that, that hurts. I don't care. It, moved, it, it just moved everybody. It shook everybody. It made people that who weren't thrown in the eighth and ninth, and now they're thrown in the eighth and ninth. It just altered everything. And, you know, that, that was a big, big loss. It doesn't matter who you say you are. That, you're losing your star, your all-star closer. Like, that, that, that's a big, big loss. And, you know, they have the roster, obviously, to combat all that. But if you can't close out the games with a guy who's, you know, potentially 50 saves a year, it's going to be tough. Hey, so we have some news coming in just now about Domingo Herman. Um, we know yesterday that he was going to be – um, done for the season and placed on the restricted list. He's dealing with um, alcohol abuse issues. And uh, this is a report here. Is this uh, is this from the Yanks, this one? Or, oh, this is Andy Martino, I see, right? Um, one of the reporters said, the incident that led to the Yankees placing Domingo Herman on the restricted list on Wednesday occurred at Yankee Stadium was not a domestic situation, clubhouse sources say. On Tuesday evening of this week, Herman grew belligerent while in the clubhouse at Yankee Stadium. Though there is no word of an altercation with a teammate or other individuals, witnesses determined that Herman was under the influence of alcohol and did not appear in control of his emotions. Several Yankees, including Brian Cashman, Aaron Boone, and Garrett Cole, appeared visibly shaken when asked about Herman on Wednesday. So now it turns into a situation where he's got to get himself some help. He's not going to pitch the rest of the year. Um, this is, you know, not the first person that's dealt with, uh, alcohol issues that's had to step aside from the game. Hey, we remember CC Sabathia is one of the most lovable dudes in our sport for a long time. He was very open and vocal about how he had to step aside for a bit. So he was dealing with some alcohol addiction issues and, and CC, you know, as said, he's recovered and really is in a good spot. So it turns into a point for her mind where at least on my end, I'm like, dude, get yourself better. Um, go get the help and the treatment that you need, and hopefully he can continue on as a big league ball player going forward. Seriously, very very serious situation, and got all the resources there in New York City for him, so hopefully he gets all the help that he can get. Um, obviously, him and his family is most important. Throwing a baseball is secondary at this point, is, as it has appeared. Um, so... Get, get the treatment you need and then, you know, get back on the right path because, again, he's a, a really good talent and has, a, you know, a lot of the years ahead of him on the mound. So hopefully he gets the, uh, the, the proper treatment. And, again, having CC there in the organization is, uh, is another great value and a great tool because 
he's been through it, open about it. So, you know, hopefully you can um, reach out to him and help him. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, all, all we can really say about this is just hope that he gets better. Um, I mean, that's really it. Like, like AJ said, I mean, baseball's secondary at this point. Um, get yourself better, um, get yourself healthy, and then, you know, you can worry about all that other stuff after. But um, I, I think everybody's thinking about him. We'll, we'll be praying for him and, and hope that, you know, hope that he can, he can uh, put this in the rear view and, and, and get back on track. Yeah. And for the Yankees, I mean, also he was having a pretty good year, right? I mean, he had some ups and downs in terms of his performance on the field, but now, you know, when you look at the roster for the Yanks, again, you're in a spot where I know we talked to Ken Rosenthal about it earlier. I mean, I don't see this team making the playoffs now, you know, I'm not saying it's just from this, you know, one player going down, but in general, like judges back Jonesy, the offense is still pretty bad. I feel like, and I felt this way last year, especially when you look at Judge. Do you remember how often they challenged him and pitched to him? And then once it was getting more um, intense, the home run chase, all of a sudden pitchers were like, "Actually, I'm I'm going to pitch around this guy and make someone else beat me." And and I was looking, I'm like, "Why haven't they been doing that all year against him?" You just you never felt like there was you know players behind him that were going to punish you. And I still feel that way a year later with the Yanks. The offense has been bad. I know yesterday they picked up the pace a little bit, but in general, this team is really struggling right now. And they might even be the worst team in the American League East. Like them and the Red Sox, in my mind, are pretty close. The Yankees have some better pitching. The Red Sox, in my mind, has a much better offense. I would I would not pitch to him. And again, I love Rizzo and I love Stanton. Judge is obviously Judge. He's, he's, he's put himself into a different category. It's the same thing that you seen Chapman chewing out the manager the other day for. It's like, why are you pitching to Otani? Again, the competitiveness of it, I get it. I res- that's the name of the game. Jays need wins. Walking. Pitch to the next guys. If he's still, like, hey, take your chances. Because this guy is obviously, when you take your chances with him, he's showing you that he's going he's gonna to take you deep. Not just hit a double. He's going to take you deep. He's at 40. So it, it's... When you go, again, the competition part of it, I get it. When you're going for W's, hey, if you're going for W's, you got to just use the strategy. And Judge is obviously number two feared. I mean, I would say he's the most feared guy in their lineup. I can, I'm trying to average on guys around the league. Uh, but he's the number one guy in their lineup that's feared. That is feared. That's why they had him leading off so that he can get the most at-bats, so that he can at least get pitched to. Um, but you have to make the other guys beat you at this point. And if Judge is beating you, that you know unless the bases are loaded yeah put them on yeah i mean totally agree i mean we've seen the last two years i mean what how much better that offense is with judge in it than when he's not in it um and until those other guys aj like you said rizzo great player stanton great player they can beat you but they haven't shown that recently so until those guys start beating you i mean why even you know why even pitch to them you know put them on and, and and see what happens i mean they were one of the worst offenses in baseball when Judge was out. So, um, you know, put the pressure on some of those other guys other than Judge because I think we've, you know, he's proven it time and time again that that he will beat you if, if given the opportunity. And um, when you don't have those guys around you swinging the bat like they they're normally they normally do and they're capable of, let's 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 try our our, our luck with those guys instead of instead of the big guy. And, and this could be more money in the offseason. But this could help too, though. This could help too because 
when you get pinch when you get uh you know the guy before you gets walked that's like huh especially especially when you got a name on your back now if you're getting if you're just got called up you got a cup of coffee in the big leagues and someone gets you know walked in front of you expect that you got a name on your back you've been to some all-star games you got some hardware yeah. and they walk the guy in front of you hey that could now that could spark and get them and get both of those guys going because Rizzo and Stanton hot is Armageddon for pitchers. So it could be it could be a reverse psychology if it plays out the right way. Yep, that's true. Yeah, I mean, hey, if I was as AJ would do, if I was Judge's agent, I would have said he's worth every penny, baby. He's worth every damn penny in the off season. Oh, there we go. All right, his toe hurts. <laughs> little, yeah, exactly. <laughs> little shady Rays action for you right now as we show off what we've got from our new partnership. I know many of you in the chat were like, "Oh, I got some already." Well, so does Brock. Brock, man, I can see, I can see the whole world. In Listen, these came in. These came in the mail the other day. I think a couple of days ago. I was like, "Where the hell did these things come from?" My wife brings back. Said, "What'd you order?" I said, "I didn't order anything. I got two pairs of sunglasses. I didn't know how they got here. I tried. I was going to shout out Shady Rays on Instagram, but." Like, hey man, thanks for the glasses. How'd you get my, how'd you get my address? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I've already worn them, man. They're great. They are fantastic. It's it's the highest quality without paying the highest prices is really the key here, which we'll let you know about each day. But um, also, a couple things that are key is if you get them and you don't like them, then you return them, or they'll give you another pair to switch around pretty easily. And then the best part of it is, because we all have this problem, and I've been bringing this up to the other hosts, if you break them or if you lose them, they have the best protection plan in the biz. That is very key for us all here. We all have that issue, especially the hosts on this show. So um, every pair of sunglasses is backed by their lost and broken replacements plan. So make sure you check that out. If you lose or break a pair, even on day one, they told us they'll send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. I don't need the excuses. Just just send the pair and we're good. So with Shady Rays, you got that confidence. They've got your back. And want to let everyone know exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com and make sure you enter the code FOUL, all caps, please, F-O-U-L, for 50% off two-plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 human beings. Shady Rays. All right. You ready to play some uh, some games here? Have you guys played with us yet? I think Brock played. I right? played once. Yeah, I played once. Jonesy, you haven't played on this show yet, have you? I haven't, but I've been uh, studying and I've been thinking. and I wrote my, I wrote my grid down so that I can remember oh. it. Okay. Yeah. And we talked, oh, about, and we talked about Steve Pierce earlier, so he's got to be one. Of, he's got to be in one of these squares. Well, least. let's see. I uh, haven't looked at our grid yet. Let's see what I, we've got. Yeah, I haven't seen the today's, but. Okay, so it's immaculate grid time, and FT yeah. fam, help us out for the next few minutes here um, as we play the game. So we have the Giants, the Reds, and a 300-plus batting average season at the top, and the left column features Cleveland, Boston, and we're looking for rookie of the year, people. Okay? So let's play along. And remember, we're looking for, if you're new to the party here, if you haven't played this game, we're looking for those rare, rare answers. Okay? So start getting after it with us in the chat. And let's get started here. Uh, of course, Nicholas right away goes, you got to go AJ for Giants and Red Sox. 
That's a good one. Do you guys that like that? That is a good one. I would, yeah, I was going to say PV, but I bet mm -hmm. AJ's. I bet AJ's. More rare just because rare. most people don't think of him on really either of those teams. Let's go. What yeah. a start. Nice. What is that? 0.9%, baby. Oh, nice. I had Marco Scudero. Ooh. That's a good one. Yeah. That is a good one, too. All right, so then you pick the next one. What do you have, Jonesy? Like, what's one that's real rare that you feel good about here on this grid? Uh, I'm going to go with the 300 batting average and rookie of the year. Okay. Al Bumbry. Al Bumbry. I don't even know who that is. I know you don't know who that is, man. You need, so that's a good you one. Be, hopefully you can find him because he hit 330 or something. Oh, my God. 0.1%. <laughs> Wait, how do you know that? Was, I played in Baltimore. Oh, yeah, shit. yeah, I know all about Al Bumbry. I've seen him there. AJ day. with the pick of all picks today. <laughs> that might be the best one I've seen yet on this show. Wow. Holy shit. I knew he was rookie of the year. And that I was incredible. Great. I mean, he was, he was in our organization. I mean, forever. He's still around. So, that a baby Bumbry. Great That's play a good there. one. All right, for Justin's throwing out a more recent name for Cincinnati and Boston. He said, "How about Tommy Pham?" That's Cincinnati like, that's, that's, and Boston. Yeah, I think that's that a middle, good one. That's that's going to be that's going to be a that's going to be a low one. Let's stay hot. Five percent. Okay, much higher than, uh, than most of the rest, but not bad. I feel, like, I feel like the I feel like the more recent players are going to be a little bit higher percent. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah, if you can think of older guys. Darnell McDonald would have been one. That's what I had. Oh, Dar that would have been. That would have been better. Jones, you got to jump in there. So, like, top right, <laughs> top right for 300 batting average and Cleveland, I was told to go with Mini Minoso. Do we feel okay. good about that? Yeah. I mean, that's Drew Cabrera. Mini Minoso is very, very old, and he's a he's really known as a um, – He's really known as a White, White Sox. Sox. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going with Azubel Cabrera, but. See, that one actually is more recent. I, I like Minoso. Let's I like, I like everybody's going to go with Brantley. <laughs> there we go. Oh, four. Oh, four percent. Well played. Well played. Who was that? Hold on. AJ. AJ early on our uh, chat. Well played. All right. What else? You guys want to help us out? Um, I've um, got. You, you have one, Jonesy? You got What's your next best one? Um, go with Cincinnati Rookie of the Year. Okay. Scott Williamson. Scott Williamson won Rookie of the Year? Mm-hmm. 99, beat out my dude, Preston Wilson. Look at AJ. Nice. That's a steal. I say this is a solid. This is a solid grid so far. Wow. Okay, I got a good, good one from, uh, again, AJ Early staying hot here. He said top middle, so that would be Cincinnati and Cleveland. How about Dave Burba? Dave Burba. Dave Burba's in the in the low ones. One percent. There nice. we go. Nice. Nice. Okay. Looks like Will Clark in that picture. What about yeah. San Francisco? Cle San Francisco Guardians. I'm sorry. Yes, San Francisco and Cleveland. What do we have? Dan Otero. Nice, Dan Otero. Yeah. MLB zone. Yes. 2%. It's a beauty. I mean, AJ. This is a really good grid right now. Let's finish strong. We got two more. We got a 300-hitting Boston Red Sox player, and we have a San Francisco Giant winning Rookie of the Year. Well, I mean, I got Pedroia with Boston. Yeah, that'd be high. 
Yeah, no, that'd be high. Yeah, that'd be real high. I'm let's trying get, to think. Let's of, get help from the FT fam here I'm in the chat to think right of now. Someone that that did it. Ooh, so, okay. Daniel Nova. No. I was gonna say Daniel Nava. I, Nava. I think I think he had. He a had three hundo though. I I think so. Okay. Toasty said Johnny Pesky for Red Sox hitting three hundo. Yeah, I mean Pesky. People. people Ted Williams. Pesky, obviously, yeah, of course. That. You want to try Nava? <laughs> Yeah, see if see if Nava works. I think I I I do think he he hit three hundred. That dude got hits. Gotta find him. David Ortiz, come on, Nava. Nava, don't hurt me. Boom! Whoa! <laughs> nice. Wow! Yeah. Wow, that was an impressive pull, and no one threw that one out there either. All first, right, so first, hey, first major league at bat for Daniel Nava, grand slam, first pitch in the major leagues. That was really good. Okay, so Jackson gave us a name for San Francisco Giants rookie of the year. He said John Montefusco. Sure, you have to look that up. He sounds low. <laughs> you had to look that up. Yeah, yes, I mean, obviously, you go with Willie Mays, but Buster Posey, and Orlando Cepeda. No. 12 rarity 12 wow he was two percent. that is a really really impressive grid just now from everyone i mean the highest what five percent tommy yeah Pam. holy shit that was really good very well done on the collaborative effort everyone very nicely done um we'll post that on our socials wow that was fun no. john the count montefusco <laughs> montefusco i I'm not great once you start getting back, you know, in the 80s and beyond. So it's very well done. That was fun. All right. So let's let's cover the Legends Territory episode from this week. Um, Howard Johnson, the two-time All-Star and former Met, who talked about the Mets and some of his former teammates. We also put some pressure on him, like one big game to save your life. Prime Jack Morris or prime Doc Gooden. Different, right? Like very different pitchers. But anyway, let's run a little piece of this uh, Legends territory from Hojo. Yeah, so Eric slides into third base. You know, he's kind of a pop-up slide. Not dirty or anything, but just, you know, Ray. Ray was a former Gold Gloves guy. So he, he was very familiar with, with punching. And, you know, Eric kind of slid into him. And it was just that time of the game. It was really late. Um, I don't remember if the game was tied or what, what the score was, but you know that might have been the winning run, and it just just reacted. I mean, Ray, that was, he was having a great season, and he just pushed all the right buttons that year, and he just he had it, you know. So he boom popped him, and uh, it was on at that point. It was just like flat out, and he did not. We fought the Reds a lot, so if I if I did have to nail one thing down, that was the one team that we fought the most. Cincinnati second team would be Pittsburgh but Cincinnati Cincinnati would always drill guys and we would always fight them and that's just the way it was so it was just kind of an extension of the other fights you want some good brawl talk with Hojo hit up legends territory uh many previous episodes too in case you want to get caught up and it's not like you'll feel like you're falling behind they're pretty much you know evergreen you can listen to them anytime on Apple Spotify or or hit up uh, Legends Territory. We've got a little block for that on our YouTube channel, on FT's YouTube channel. So it's Hojo this week. We had Smolty recently, Ryan Dempster. So you get kind of a mix, guys that are more recently retired and then going back in the day, if you want to um, check that out. And that was him discussing that legendary fight with Ray Knight and Eric Davis and all that. I mean, they don't 
they don't fight like they used to. Not even close. You watch old fight videos and you're like, oh my gosh, like I'm surprised people were killed from some of the punches that were thrown. Yeah, he just he just went straight <clears throat> right hook right to the right to the jaw from a from a slide from a pop up slide. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I've been in a couple bench clearing brawls, but they're not really brawls, right? I mean, it's a bunch of like dancing around at the, <laughs> the edge of the, the the edge of the circle, trying to find your buddy who's on the other team. But um, I don't know, AJ, have you been in any good ones? I've been in some good ones in the minors, and they're they're. The minors are different because, you know, less security to stop it. A lot more anger because you ain't making nothing and you're tired of that peanut butter and jelly with banana that you had prior to the game. Um, but you can't fight like that like back in the day. And those, there was a lot. I mean, those there were boys. There was hatred back then uh, when they played. Now, again, New York and Boston might not like each other and franchises, but the guys like each other. Yeah. The guys are real cool with each other. You go back ten years. You go back even a little bit longer. Now that they 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 hated each other. I know when you first got over there, it was it was hatred. When Jeter yeah. was still there, when Big Poppy was still there, it was nah. It wasn't go lovey dovey. We're not shaking hands. You go to, you come to Baltimore. What's up, dog? Yeah. You're in New York, nah. Mm-hmm. You know, and that that rivalry. I think it's it came back a little bit. You've seen it. I think San Diego and in uh, L.A. We're having a little bit of that spat last year. Um, the uh, obviously the Mets have it with a lot of with a lot of teams, um, but it's just not it's not how it used to be. And you know, guys like I said, guys will dance around and try and find their boy because you know no one's really no one's really trying to fight. But the best part though was it was Manoa. He wanted to fight and he wanted to fight Cole. He told Cole to come to come across that Audi sign, <laughs> and he, he he didn't want none of that. And uh, I I don't blame him. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't blame him either way. Uh, but yeah, it's just not, it's just not how it used to be because the big boys used to just throw haymakers. Were you on the field for Machado Petroya, that whole thing? Um, yeah, I, but that wasn't, yeah. that wasn't anything. And I came in, I came in for Dustin, right? Like, yeah, that, yeah. that didn't, that didn't escalate to anything. I don't think, I mean, obviously he got drilled Barnes. Yeah. Barnes threw up and in like behind his head, which was, you know, not a great look, but he ended up getting hit, I think the next day, but, um, I don't think Bench has ever cleared cleared in that situation. No. He was a Ventura though, Manny and uh, Ventura R.I.P. Uh, that one was. Oh uh, yeah, oh yeah, that was a that good was, one. That was a good. There's one. There's some punches. And you see, Wayne Kirby's the first one there. He's they blinking red. <laughs> hey, me always say I'm blinking red. <laughs> I'm ready to go. <laughs> um, I remember too. Granky, I think Carlos Quentin was involved. Didn't Granky like break his collarbone or something yeah. weird? Yeah, Granky. Granky went down for the little. Pile drive and Carlos just pow busted his collarbone. Grinky smart. That wasn't smart. Yeah. No, no. Just go the other way. Run like the run like the Japanese dude did when Rod Allen threw when Rod Allen <laughs> <laughs> chased. That's one of the best videos ever. I don't do say, that, Grinky. I mean, no, don't do that. I would say the the top one in my mind too in recent past like past 10 15 years like everyone talks about jose bautista and rignet Odor. that's like the last in my mind like really Ooh. clear cut like haymaker that he landed it's like you know you think of like fight night the video game it's like like he he got him like he got and then he hit him with his glove afterwards yeah. <laughs> yeah, people don't pay head. attention that he smoked yeah. with his glove but 
Kevin Gregg, it was, I think it was 2011, 10 or 11, Kevin Gregg, Big Poppy. Uh, fly balls hit, and like he, he was throwing inside. We were getting our butts kicked, but Poppy swings 3-0, flies out to me. I'm catching the ball. As I'm about to throw it home, uh, no, I threw it home, and as, as I release it, I just see Big Poppy and Kevin Gregg running at each other. I threw the ball. Weeders caught the ball on the run and joined the fight. So that, was, hey, that's a funny clip too. That's like that Kevin Gregg and, and David Ortiz. They just ran into each other him. and just hey. and they were just bouncing off. It's like it's like the big physio ball when you run into each other. And bounce <laughs> off. That's, that's what they were doing. They just kept bouncing off of each other. That was such a great clip. And hey, Kevin Gregg missed Poppy's face by just centimeters, man. And wow, that would have hurt. Kevin Gregg is a big dude. Poppy's a big dude. Greg's Poppy bigger. is a big dude too. Hell yeah. And Greg's bigger. Yeah. And, and different. And Bill, you know, right? But over there, different. It's like, leave me alone. Don't bother me. I'm breeding. Different. The, the big, crazy Poppy's stuff. A, big Poppy, what's up, baby? How you doing? You know what I mean? He's a lover. Kevin Greg, you don't know what's going on over there. <laughs> leave him alone. <laughs> hey, we, our famous dude on this show is Tommy Canely. Like he comes on and he told us the other day that Mookie Betts went up to him when they recently played and was like, yo, I heard about you. I heard you're the guy that you don't mess with. And he was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Him and Riamuto said, Riamuto said, I'll put you in a pretzel. You don't want to hear that. And no. Yeah. They Those are the football that. guys. <laughs> Those are the football guys. Real Buto. I mean, I know he played quarterback, but he's a truck too. Like those those dudes are built different. So yep. but yeah, if you're built different and you've got a little bit of crazy, that's when you really don't want to leave him alone. Yeah, you leave him alone. Okay. So all right, let's slap hands. All right, good one today. Yeah, well, let's let's show this. So, so there was a, a young girl. Her name's Alexa Cardona, um, ten years old, and I guess there was some type of like parade. I remember when this went viral, and she threw a water balloon at a politician. And then I think there was like back and forth where the politician kind of said like, "Oh, you know, the Yanks could use her," and the Yanks were like, "Cool, we'll invite her to Yankee Stadium." So, like a fun back and forth on this one. So we we can show a little bit of that because. Um, she had like, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of velocity oh. on that toss and look at that smile right yeah. after his check. Right, right in the temple. Yeah. And he like brushed it off. Like, yeah, that's happened before. Whoop. <laughs> like, that was a Jeez. shot, right? That was the holes right there. Yeah. So, uh, the Yanks invited her apparently to, uh, to the ballpark. So that's cool to kind of put it full circle there. Uh, I don't know if it sets the best example. Cause like now every, you know, 10 year old that's got a yeah. water balloon is going to be looking for politicians to be like, yo, if I chuck this at him, like I might get an invite to, I might uh, get an invite to Yankee. Field. I might get an invite to Yankee stadium. Whatever you can do to wake him up America. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I love it. I love it. All right. So kids stay strong. All right. Even if you can't get it done on the field, we need you in other places. Exactly. <laughs> Doing God's work. Yes. For those parades, please take them down. 
Love it. Um, tomorrow, gonna be wild. We have Lance Lynn post-trade. We had him right before he got dealt. Now we'll get him after the trade, after the good uh, appearance there for the Dodgers the other night. Um, Jonesy, we going three in a row? We got you Friday. Three in a row, baby. Let's go. Rockstar, we'll see you next time. Yep, I'm taking the day off tomorrow. Good, you need it, dude. Yep. You worked hard. Stretch yep. it out. Grinding. All right. Grinding. Enjoy that bandwagon. Yep, you got it. Go Cubbies. See you soon. All right, we'll see everyone Friday on FT Live. Whit Merrifield also joining us as we continue the combo about the Blue Jays and some of his new teammates. See you then. Hey, FT Live fam. If you're new to the party on the BetMGM Sports app, enter the promo code FOUL. F-O-U-L for up to $1,000 back if your first bet loses. It's simple. Ready? Download the BetMGM Sports app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Sign up and deposit into your newly created account. Place your first bet offer and receive up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if it loses. If the bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once the wager is settled. Gotta use the bonus code FOUL.